I want to tell you about 70 Million, a Peabody-nominated podcast about criminal justice and jail reform from Lantigua, Williams & Co. Each week this fall, a team of reporters around the country chronicles how communities are enacting criminal justice reform in their neighborhoods, from the bail system and racialized policing to the school-to-prison pipeline and the spread of COVID in jails. This show gets right to the heart of the social upheaval we are experiencing and how communities all over the U.S. are taking action. 70 Million also works alongside Future Hindsight as a member of the Democracy Group, in case you needed another reason to check them out. Listen now at 70millionpod.com or search for 70 Million on your podcast app. All podcasters know the best way to grow your show is through word of mouth. And so this season, we're trying something new. We created a referral link that makes it easy to share the podcast by text, email, or DM to your friends, family, or anyone else you know who could use a little dose of inspiration for civic engagement and our collective future. If you use the link to share our show with five friends who then download the podcast, I'll send you a handwritten thank you note and a future hindsight button to thank you for your support. If you share it with 10 friends who download an episode, I'll send you a branded Future Hindsight Moleskin notebook. Yep, a real Moleskin notebook with our logo on it. Follow the link in the show notes to help us spread the word. And thank you so much for listening. Welcome to Future Hindsight. I'm your host, Mila Atmos. Each week, I speak with citizen changemakers who spark civic engagement in our society. Our guest today is Maria Ewan. She's the founder of Issue Voter, whose mission is to enable equity by giving everyone a voice in our representative democracy. They alert us about bills before Congress votes, give us a voice by sending our opinions directly to our representatives, and help us keep Congress accountable by providing a personalized scorecard on how our representatives vote. This episode kicks off our season on the work that lays before us in a post-pandemic and a likely post-Trump world. As of this recording, Biden is leading both in the Electoral College and popular votes. We'll be discussing the economy, gig work, breaking up the monopolies that dominate our lives, police reform and education. Now that the election is over, it's fitting that we should start with a conversation about how we stay continuously engaged and why we vote in the first place. We help people engage between elections and really understand throughout the year what their reps are doing and make their voices heard regardless of who got elected. But the other thing that we have seen is that Issue Voter does motivate voter turnout. We have found that 30% of people using Issue Voter said that it's what motivated them to vote in the 2018 midterms. In other words, they wouldn't have voted without it. We've also had people using Issue Voter tell us that before Issue Voter, they didn't even know there could be another side to this issue. And so I think all of those things speak to how really understanding who their people's reps are and the policies that are being introduced can change people's behavior and habits around civic engagement year round. We talk about the benefits of being engaged in order to write and implement public policies that most Americans do agree on. Let's listen in. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. 
It's really fantastic to have you back on the show. I re-listened to our conversation from the summer of 2018 and how hopeful we both were about the potential voter turnout in the midterm election. 60 million Democrats showed up to vote. I think it's been so encouraging to see so much civic engagement nowadays. For those people who didn't listen to our first episode together, let's talk about Issue Voter. What is Issue Voter and what do you do? So Issue Voter is a nonpartisan nonprofit, and our mission is to give everyone a voice in our democracy. We make it really easy to track what is happening between elections when the real work that affects our lives gets done. The way that we do that is individuals choose the issues that they care about. They then will receive alerts before Congress is about to vote on any of those issues. We translate bills into layman's terms with points from both sides and links to related news articles. And then you can choose support or oppose, and that opinion gets sent directly to the staffer in charge of constituent contact. And you also get a personalized scorecard showing you the percentage of time your members of Congress and senators are representing you throughout the year. Great. So since we last spoke, we were both really hopeful about voter turnout. Do you think that this has also translated into being interested after the election? Absolutely. I think when I started Issue Voter, I noticed that when I would tell people that when you contact your rep, every constituent contact is tracked, I often had people that were surprised. Nowadays, people are really used to knowing the fact that when they call their reps, it does have an impact. But I think there are some nuances about how people do that and what they say, which can really help. So what I mean is we often see petitions which are merely a list of names easily ignored by Congress. And so my biggest thing is to really see who created the petition and who is it being delivered to. Most petitions, you're simply signing up for an organization's mailing list. Really, the best way to make your voice heard in Congress is through services like, of course, Issue Voter, but by calling your reps, by being a constituent, and by making sure that when you are contacting a rep that it's about a specific bill, it makes it a lot more concrete when you can call your rep and you can say, I'm calling to make sure representative or senator so-and-so is going to either vote for or vote against this particular bill. And by the way, I'm using services like Issue Voter to actually track how they voted, which is where the real accountability piece comes in. So what's your feedback from the users of Issue Voter in terms of their satisfaction after finding out whether their representative voted in the way that they desired them to? I think that it's been a mix of things. It can be a positive feeling if they see that their rep is voting in line with their viewpoints. It can be frustration if they see that they're not. And it can sometimes be surprise. So something that we've also seen is that if you're a Democrat and your rep is a Democrat, or you're a Republican and your rep is a Republican, there can be a tendency to sit back and think, everything's fine. I elected them. We're aligned. It's all good. But people that have been using Issue Voter have actually told me that they're surprised to see that their rep is not necessarily representing them 100% of the time or even as high a percentage as they would have expected. In those situations, and for most people who are very civically engaged and who do regularly vote in the midterms in the presidential elections, I think my next call to action would be stressing the importance of primary elections, because that's really an opportunity 
to vote for someone who may be more in line with your viewpoints. Because politics is so polarized, as we know, people are not necessarily going to vote for a candidate of the opposite party in a general election. So primary elections are so, so, so important. It's really, uh, frankly, ridiculous to see that we have districts where a person who's running for Congress to represent 700,000 people can win a primary with just 10 to 15,000 votes. And in many districts, because of gerrymandering and other circumstances, whoever wins the primary is going to be the elected official. Yeah, that's right. So how does issue voter fit in here? Because what you really do is, you know, talk about the bills that are before Congress. Yep. So we help people engage between elections and really understand, you know, throughout the year what their reps are doing and make their voices heard regardless of who got elected. But the other thing that we have seen is that issue voter does motivate voter turnout. Since our last conversation, we have found that 30% of people using issue voter said that it's what motivated them to vote in the 2018 midterms. In other words, they wouldn't have voted without it. 59% of our users have said issue voter encouraged them to take other forms of civic action, like registering to vote, attending a town hall meeting, or volunteering for an organization. 94% have learned about new issues, and 47% have been exposed to new viewpoints. So we've also had people using issue voter tell us that before issue voter, they didn't even know there could be another side to this issue. And so I think all of those things speak to how really understanding who their people's reps are and the policies that are being introduced can change people's behavior and habits around civic engagement year round. And the other thing that I've noticed is that there are people out there who might say, you know, I'm not political, I'm not into politics, but we all care about something. And as a nation built on laws, it's policy change that will create the better world that we all want to live in. And so there are a lot of efforts out there that are important and needed. But at the end of the day, it's policy that's creating you know, the need for many nonprofits to exist in the first place. What is the reaction from legislators when they hear from issue voter uh, in terms of the feedback that their constituents give them? I would say it's two things that they like about it. One is that legislators often feel like they are hearing from the same people, which could be true. I think that often legislators are hearing from the loudest voices or the most well-organized voices or the most well-funded voices. And so with something like Issue Voter, they're hearing from their constituents who may not be already used to contacting them through advocacy organizations or other ways. And they do appreciate hearing from a broader range of constituents. The second thing that I know that legislators do appreciate about it is that we do tally the data for them. And so they get a message that shows them the number of people in their districts and their zip codes for every single bill that people have sent an opinion on and how many people are on each side, which makes it easy for staffers to compile that information into their weekly, biweekly, or monthly reports that they give. That's great. So tell us, why do you think it's really important for everyday people to be in continuous contact with their lawmakers? So I think it's important for people to stay engaged between elections when policy is happening, because that's also what can actually create change and create results. Members of Congress who don't hear from their constituents don't necessarily have that data or that information to fall back on. 
And, you know, at that point, I feel like what do we expect them to do but vote party line or to vote with what leadership is telling them to do? It depends on different members of Congress. There are some that, you know, consistently vote with leadership. There are some that don't. But it makes it harder for them to do that if they're not hearing from their constituents. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned about civic engagement in general since you've started Issue Voter? So since starting Issue Voter, I've definitely evolved my thinking around civic engagement. I think traditionally, a lot of times we think of civic engagement as starting with registering to vote and then voting and it being kind of this linear thing. But I think it's like a circle where there are many different ways to civically engage and people's entry points might be different. So for some people, an entry point might be the first time they voted. For some people, it might actually be an issue that they care about or a specific law that they see that's about to be passed that they really support or that they're really against. For some people, it might be attending a town hall meeting and actually getting to know who their reps are. The other thing that I think is very striking, especially just reading some even more recent research that's come out over the last two years, is how important civic education is at a young age. And so there's studies that show that if students are not exposed to civics and debate, even in elementary school, middle school, high school, that they're less likely to participate in democracy as adults. So for Issue Voter, we have a free lesson plan that we offer to middle and high school teachers. And we do think that civic engagement is really, really important. The other thing where my thinking has evolved is because Issue Voter is primarily an online tool, we also have recognized the fact that the whole movement of a healthier democracy and civic engagement cannot just be done online. What's great about online is it makes it possible for everyone's voices to be heard and it is scalable. Without technology, it would be impossible for members of Congress to even hear from 5% of their constituents. And so we need technology to support us in this. But I've also realized that Civic engagement really does have to also happen with human connection and in person. And that's been definitely a challenge of 2020 with not being able to do things in person. At the start of 2020, we were really excited about doing community conversations where we bring people together who voted on opposite sides of bills on Issue Voter to have in-person conversations. So of course, that is uh, definitely on hold this year, but it's something that we hope to do in 2021. My thinking around civic engagement has broadened in terms of the role that Issue Voter plays as just a piece of this bigger puzzle of a movement for a healthier democracy that works for everybody. Oh, that's great. I agree that an online-only platform only goes so far and that a lot of the really impactful work involves boots on the ground. So that's super exciting that you've evolved in this way. What are the other ways in which you have grown Issue Voter? One of the biggest accomplishments that we've had recently, which was our most requested feature from users was adding senators. So when we launched, we launched with Congress and House only, and now we're covering senators and Senate bills. So that was a big win that we were able to do at the beginning of this year, thanks to our users who donated. And we had an individual who came forward with a matching grant in order for us to do that. So that was one of our big wins in terms of something we've already done. Something we're looking to do, which I'm really excited about, is actually conduct with researchers a longer-term study around how engaging with policy actually relates to voter turnout. So you asked earlier about why it's important for people to engage between elections. So our hypothesis is basically that by helping people understand policy, know who their rep is, know whether or not their rep is representing them, that that actually drives voter turnout. Because a lot of what we do in the U.S. around voting is right around the election. 
it's what we've just seen with constant reminders to vote, reminders to register to vote, um, making it easier to vote with knowing where your polling location is, knowing how to get a mail-in ballot. All of those things have to happen and are super, super important. But at the same time, we don't do a lot that really is helping people understand why vote in the first place. And so I'm really interested in actually studying this as an experiment to see what kinds of things happen in people's lives between elections that actually motivate voter turnout at kind of this like deeper level? Yeah, that's a good point. I think there's just so much going on, especially this year in 2020. There are, in fact, so many obvious reasons to vote, but I think it's really overwhelming. And there continue to be people who are one issue voters, right? And it's just one of those things where I feel like people fail to see the bigger picture in terms of why they should be voting, especially when they're like, oh, I only really care about my taxes, or I really only care about this one issue on reproductive rights, let's say. So in terms of the users of issue voter, since they appear to be now more motivated to vote, can you tell if the users have changed their minds about policy issues now that they know more about them? We did do a survey of our users where we found that 33% of people using Issue Voter said they changed their voting decisions. I would suspect that the majority of people using Issue Voter are not single Issue Voters because as part of the signup process, all we ask is people's address so we can find their rep and what issues they care about so we can customize the alerts. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I can say that a very few people using Issue Voter only select one issue in the signup process. So said another way, the majority of people using Issue Voter when they sign up are selecting more than one issue that they want to get alerts about. Ah, yes, that makes perfect sense. Future Hindsight is brought to you in part by The Jordan Harbinger Show and its host, Jordan Harbinger. His show was named one of Apple's best of 2018, and he continues to produce inspiring content at an astounding speed. The Jordan Harbinger Show doesn't have a theme, but his interviews with executives, athletes, writers, actors, and others are designed to make you a better informed, more critical thinker. Jordan can make anyone interesting and pulls kernels of wisdom from some of the funniest and most unlikely places you can imagine. If you loved our season on Post-Truth, I highly recommend you check out his recent episode with Renee DeResta on dismantling the internet disinformation machine or listen to his interview with Celeste Headley and learn how to make your conversations matter. You never know what you're going to get, but you know you'll learn something new. If you like Future Hindsight, I think you'll enjoy The Jordan Harbinger Show too. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find the show at jordanharbinger.com. So when we spoke last, you told me that the demographics of your users are left-leaning and that you hope that they would eventually become more accurate in representing the whole picture of American voters. How are your demographics now? That's a great question. I would say that they are still leaning progressive in terms of opinions on policy issues. And something I learned recently is that there is a Pew Research study that basically showed that, I think it was 
90% of strong conservatives have contacted their rep. And I want to say it was 68% of strong liberals have contacted their rep. I think that's very interesting because it almost makes me wonder, you know, is issue voter a service? Because a big part of what we provide is the ability to contact your rep. That is inherently going to be something that more liberals prefer to do anyway in their life. And with that, is it a service that can ever be the exact reflection of where everyone stands in the U.S.? So I don't really know the answer to that question. We do now have people in all 435 congressional districts using Issue Voter. And we do have people of all ages using Issue Voter, all the way from high school through retired. Anyone can use Issue Voter regardless of age or citizenship. We actually have a volunteer who is really excited to find Issue Voter because she is living in the U.S. She's Australian. um, And it's a way for her to make her voice heard because she can't actually vote. Oh, that's fascinating. So this way, the representative who represents her district can actually know her opinion. Exactly. Because she's still a constituent. So, you know, you still have the right to have your voice heard, which I think a lot of people who are living in the U.S. and maybe not citizens maybe don't realize. Yeah, that's really brilliant. I want to come back to your expanded service from Issue Voter about senators Do senators behave differently than representatives in the lower house? It's a good question. If you're asking, are they more responsive or less responsive to constituents' concerns? I would say that it probably depends on if they're in a swing state, for better or worse. You know, it's kind of like it is what it is, the way our country is, (laughs) the the way our politics is here with primarily two parties. Right, right. That makes perfect sense that it depends on what state they're from. So aside from contacting our lawmakers, what are two things that are most effective in terms of civic engagement that an everyday citizen can do? One thing that comes to mind that I would say I encourage people to do is to not only contact your reps after something has already been introduced and is being considered with your opinion, but to potentially get involved in the policymaking process at an even earlier stage. And so some people may or may not know that some of the bills that get introduced in Congress are actually from constituent ideas. So when you contact your rep and tell them about a problem that you're experiencing or something that you'd like to see in your district, they really do read all the messages. And not only that, there are situations where they will say, wow, that's a good idea. Let's look into this. And they have their staff look into it and they may draft a bill based on something that you told them about. We just think that we don't have any power, that our voices aren't heard. Sometimes we have this vision of politicians all being there for self-interest or not getting anything done, kind of these broad strokes that we see from the media lots of times. But I think we kind of have to remind ourselves that there are people too. If you have a good idea, it really can actually become something real. I think we sometimes forget that. So what is the most common misconception about our members of Congress in common lore when we think about them? What do you think is really the most damaging and prevents us from being engaged? We know that they spend a lot of their time fundraising. It's not 100%. I mean, that's either true or it's a misconception, depending on how you're thinking about it. So that's one thing that's unfortunate. And I think that turns people off. 
We also see a lot of partisan fighting, which is a turnoff for people. These dramatic narratives make for good media, good TV, and I think that's why they get airtime, but they're not always showing the full picture. They're not necessarily focusing on the reps who are having productive conversations. They're not necessarily focusing on the reps who do spend a lot of time in their districts meeting with constituents. Those meetings or those conversations maybe are less clickbaity, less exciting, but that stuff is still happening. It's just not always getting coverage. Maybe another thing that turns people off is we just had an election and I think sometimes people feel like their vote doesn't count, but it does. It's one of those actions where it takes a collective for it to have impact, because if nobody does it, then we don't have a democracy anymore. But it might be true that, yeah, maybe your one vote is not going to sway. But if no one does it, that's also a big problem. So it's one of these things of like, how do you motivate the individual where it's the collective action that creates the results? Yeah, that is an age-old problem, <laughs> the collective action problem. What do you think is the opportunity post-COVID in a new administration for everyday people to become more civically engaged? What is your hope in terms of people wanting to change the playbook and build a stronger society through civic engagement? I hope that people can look past politics now that the election is over and focus more on policy, especially in 2021 when we will have a brand new Congress. Specifically what people can do post-COVID, I would say is having conversations face-to-face in person with their reps and with people who disagree. It's a lot easier to insult someone or just like kind of say things without anything backing it up, like on things like Twitter or social media, and you can kind of hide behind, you know, screen. But when you're in person, I think there's more opportunity for people to realize that there are a number of issues that the majority of Americans do support, which it's been really frustrating that they haven't been getting done. And if more people realized that and could talk about that with their reps, I mean, I would hope that we would actually see some positive policy change. Yeah, here, here. That would be awesome. Looking into the future, what makes you hopeful? I don't want this to sound cheesy, but the next generation really does make me hopeful. Seeing all kinds of youth active, excited about issues. Um, We know that almost half of millennials are not registered with a political party. We know that young people care about issues and issues are how they are getting excited about politics. So definitely working with young people makes me hopeful. Issue Voter joined a new campaign called Gen Roundtable, which is highlighting the issues in a nonpartisan way that Gen Z and millennials care a lot about, including healthy democracy, the environment, and economic mobility. The other thing that help, makes me hopeful still is technology. So even though there are fears around things like privacy and data, I really do think that technology can make participating in democracy more accessible for people and make it easier for people to understand what's going on and to have their voices heard and easier for people who are elected officials to actually know where their constituents stand. Perfect. Thank you for being on Future Hindsight and thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you so much. I like that she talked about civic engagement being circular instead of linear. The more engaged you are, the more likely you'll be a voter, 
Then the more likely you'll pay attention to what's happening in Congress and hold your representative accountable at the next town hall or the next election. Also, I like that she posed the obvious and excellent, yet almost never asked question, why vote in the first place? I hope that Americans now connect the dots like they never have before, that we vote for the representatives who we think can address our society's most pressing problems and community issues through effective public policies. And if they do a good job, we re-elect them. A healthy democracy depends on all of us to be civically engaged, and I hope that we will swing for the fences in what is likely going to be the coming new era so that we can finally have a unified, science-based government response to COVID and pass comprehensive economic relief. Next week, our guest is Zach Carter. He's a senior reporter at HuffPost, where he covers economic policy and American politics. He's also the author of The Price of Peace, Money, Democracy, and the Life of John Maynard Keynes. We talk about how Keynes' ideas from the 20th century can show the way for a strong economic recovery in the U.S. and potentially be the policy glue that would help our society hang together. He's a thinker who concerned himself with the great problems of his day. He was not concerned primarily with debt and deficit, although he became famous for it, but rather with a way of grappling with crisis and with a condition that he referred to as uncertainty, which he believed to be sort of fundamental to the way human beings think about the world around them and make decisions about the world around them. And he became convinced that economics and wise economic policy was a way to not only pursue social justice in Britain, but to prevent international conflict. Until next time, stay engaged. I'm Mila Atmos. Thank you for continuing to listen to Future Hindsight. Our executive producer is Mila Atmos. The audio producer is Peter Fedak. And our associate producers are Miriam Zumbul and Brooke Sayan. Be sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, futurehindsight.com, or wherever you enjoy podcasts every week. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group.